All right, Matthew chapter 13, if you look there with me. Matthew chapter 13, the scripture here says, The same day went Jesus out of the house and sat by the seaside, and great multitudes were gathered together unto him, so that he went into a ship and sat, and the whole multitude stood on the shore. And he spake many things unto them in parables, saying, Behold, a sower went forth to sow. And when he sowed, some seeds fell by the wayside, and the fowls came and devoured them up. Some fell upon stony places where they had not much earth, and forthwith they sprang up, because they had no deepness of earth. And when the sun was up, they were scorched, and because they had no root, they withered away. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprung up and choked them. But other fell into good ground and brought forth fruit, some an hundredfold, some sixtyfold, some thirtyfold. Who hath ears to hear, let him hear. And the disciples came and said unto him, Why speakest thou unto them in parables? He answered and said unto them, Because it is given unto you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it is not given. For whosoever hath to him shall be given, and he shall have more abundance. But whosoever hath not from him shall be taken away, even that he hath. Therefore speak I to them in parables, because they seeing see not, and hearing they hear not, neither do they understand. And in them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah, which saith, By hearing ye shall hear, and shall not understand. And seeing ye shall see, and shall not perceive. For this people's heart is waxed gross, and their ears are dull of hearing. And their eyes they have closed, lest at any time they should see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and should understand with their heart, and should be converted, and I should heal them. But blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. For verily I say unto you that many prophets and righteous men have desired to see those things which ye see, and have not seen them, and to hear those things which ye hear, and have not heard them. Hear ye therefore the parable of the sower. When anyone heareth the word of the kingdom, and understandeth it not, then cometh the wicked one, and catcheth away that which was sown in his heart. This is he which received seed by the wayside. But he that received the seed in the stony places, the same as he that heareth the word, and anon with joy receiveth it. Yet hath he not root in himself, but dureth for a while. For when tribulation or persecution ariseth because of the word, by and by he is offended. He also that received seed among the thorns is he that heareth the word, and the care of this world, and the deceitfulness of riches, choke the word, and he becometh unfruitful. But he that received seed into the good ground is he that heareth the word, and understandeth it, which also beareth fruit, and bringeth forth some an hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. Let's pray together. Lord, uh, we just come before you now and just want to thank you so much for these words. And I thank you, God, that they're true, that they're eternal, that you are faithful. And I pray that you would please open our understanding, open our ears this morning, help us to hear uh, what you would have for us. And Lord, I pray that no matter where we're at this morning in how we receive your word, I pray that we would make the decision to hear your word as that person did with the good ground, that we would receive your word, that we would understand it, and that we would obey it. And uh, Lord, if there's one here this morning that does not know you as, as their Savior, I pray that you would speak to that heart this morning, help them to see their need for you. And uh, again, I pray, Lord, for our pastor, that you'd please continue to bless them, give them wisdom and direction for the fall. And I uh, thank you, Lord, so much for these uh, faithful people here this morning that just, they love you, they know you, they want to hear your word. And I pray that you would uh, please help me, Lord, as I communicate it this morning. We ask for your help in Christ's name. Amen. Have you ever given someone the gospel and they didn't respond the way that you had hoped? 
there are so many people in the Bible that hear God's words. And the Lord gives us examples of the way people respond to the word. And what I want us to look at this morning is we see four different locations where the sower sows the seed. And Jesus Christ compares the seed that is sown to his word. And uh, there are also, uh, this parable is in Matthew. It is also in Mark chapter 4 and in Luke chapter 8. And so there are a couple of details that I'll reference from those parallel passages, but we're not going to look there this morning. And the seed that was sown, the Lord describes it as here in Matthew as the word of the kingdom. In Mark, it's called the word. And in Luke, it's called the word of God. So when you think about the sower sows the seed, it's a, a person that goes out and sows and delivers the word of God to someone else. Now, the point of a parable when you go through and see all these parables, if you look in verse number three, he says, and he spake many things unto them in parables, right? And we know the whole point of a parable is actually to hide the truth. So if you ever come across a parable and you say, well, that's kind of interesting. I don't get that one. You've got to look and see if the Lord explains it because he, he shows us here the whole purpose of him giving a parable you see is in verse number 11. His disciples asked that question. Lord, why are you speaking in parables? And he said, verse 11, He answered and said unto them, Because it is given unto you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it is not given. And if you look down at verse number 13, he says, Therefore speak I to them in parables, because they seeing see not, and hearing they hear not, neither do they understand. And in them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah, which saith, By hearing you shall hear and shall not understand, and seeing you shall see and shall not perceive. For this people's heart is waxed gross, and their ears are dull of hearing, and their eyes they have closed, lest at any time they should see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and should be converted, and I should heal them. So the Lord says they've made a decision. Their heart is waxed gross. They've made a decision to shut their ears, to shut their eyes to the truth. And He's saying, in them... Has fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah. Now, this is just kind of a, a side. Uh, go ahead and look with me at Isaiah. We're going to look at the the full, uh, prophecy that he is speaking of. I thought this was interesting because some of you have given the gospel to somebody, and and uh, that person um, did not trust Christ, or maybe they wanted to know more and, and, and they just weren't getting it. Um, you know, we think about Isaiah. If you look in chapter six, you remember the the famous. Uh, account of this event where Isaiah sees the Lord high and lifted up and the God, his train fills the temple and he sees all this majesty and glory and he sees the seraphim crying out, holy, 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 the Lord God of hosts. He has this amazing uh, experience, this amazing vision seeing God. And the scripture here, uh, you guys know at the end of it, verse 8, Isaiah 6, verse 8, he says, Also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then said I, here am I, send me. And many of you have heard messages preached uh, that were evangelistic in nature, that we need to go tell somebody else, and the Lord's looking for a faithful servant, and somebody that'll say, God, here am I, send me, right? And that's usually where the message ends, and, and we're charged up to go tell people about Christ. But look at what he says in verse 9. And he said, Go and tell this people, Hear ye indeed, but understand not, and see ye indeed, but perceive not. Make the heart of this people fat and make their ears heavy and shut their eyes lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and be converted and be healed. 
aren't we all charged up to go give the gospel now? <laughs> Isaiah, I want you to go tell as many people as you can. And what you're going to do by doing that is you're going to make their, they're going to shut their ears to it. And so they're, they're, going to, they're not going to listen to you. And um, they're pretty much going to reject your message. Ready, break. <laughs> you know, Nathan, not too many times in the football huddle do you get, all right, I'm going to give you the ball. You're going to get smashed. And then we're all going to pick you up off the ground. Ready, break. You know, that's the play, right? <laughs> you know, Jesus Christ said, the servant is not above his master. If they've listened to me, they'll listen to you. If they've rejected me, they'll reject you. And so when we take the gospel to people, there are responses that we can anticipate. And I will say, first and foremost, how you and I receive God's word completely impacts our eternity. First of all, where we're going to spend eternity is based on whether or not we receive the truth of the gospel. But then even beyond that, uh, will we, as believers, will we continue to receive God's words and bring forth fruit? Some 30, some 60, and some 100 fold. So this morning, the emphasis in this parable is on how the seed is received. Each location pictures a different way in which God's word is received. Um, so let's look at the four different locations. If you would look with me at Matthew chapter 13, we'll go back there. And we'll start with verse number 18. He says, Hear ye therefore the parable of the sower. All right, so again, now he's with his disciples explaining it all to them. Verse 19, When anyone heareth the word of the kingdom, and understandeth it not, then cometh the wicked one, and catcheth away that which was sown in his heart. This is he which received seed by the wayside. So the first location, the first way in which people receive seeds, receive the word of God, is by the wayside. What, and we're going to break down the characteristics that the Lord gives us of each of these people. All right, so these people that receive seed by the wayside, this is a, the first characteristic of that person is this in verse number 19. When anyone heareth the word of the kingdom and understandeth it not... And understandeth it not. So you have people that will hear the word of God and they don't understand it. Okay? And before you got saved, you can probably remember a time in your life when you heard the word of God and you thought, hmm. And, and you, just, you just didn't get it. It sounded maybe weird to you. It sounded uh, funny or, or, or different. Well, the Lord Jesus Christ, he just described why they don't understand it. Look at verse number 15. For this people's heart is waxed gross, and their ears are dull of hearing, and their eyes they have closed, lest at any time they should see with their eyes, hear with their ears, and should understand with their heart. So sometimes a person that does not understand the Word of God, the barrier is they've already said no to it. They've already shut their ears. They've already shut their They've already made a, a determination that if this preacher is going to get up and open some old book and tell me what it says, I ain't listening to that. And so they fail to understand because they've already made the decision, I don't want to hear it. Okay, So that someone that receives seed by the wayside, they don't understand it. Um, uh, we're going to have a couple of cross-references up on the uh, uh, screen for you this morning. Uh, 1 Corinthians 1.18 says this, For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. But unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. The Bible says that the gospel is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth. So how is it that someone can hear the gospel, hear that Jesus Christ is God? He lived a perfect, sinless life. He is perfect. He is sinless. 
He died on the cross, and when He shed His blood, that wasn't just a man dying for a cause that He believed in. That was God shedding His divine blood for your sins and for my sins. Right? The Bible says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And the Bible says that the wages of sin is death. And the wages, the payment of our sin is not just a, a physical death, but it is an eternal separation from God forever. The scripture describes a second death, which is in a lake of fire forever. And so, but, but God loves you and doesn't want you to spend eternity there. So the Bible says, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You know, we can have our sins washed away. We can have them forgiven by faith in Jesus Christ. And yet somebody can hear that. And if you're saved, you hear that and you say, amen, that's awesome. Praise God. Thank the Lord for his grace. And yet somebody that has already said, no, I'm not going to listen to that. You know, just because somebody made it to church this morning doesn't mean they're actually going to listen. And if they've already made the decision in their heart that I'm not going to hear this, well, you're not going to understand it. It'll, the preaching of the cross will be foolishness to you. And um, I heard my, my grandfather say in a message one time, he, was, he said it as calm as day. As he, pre, he was teaching through Romans. And he said, if you are, if today the preaching of the cross is to you foolishness, it is mere evidence that you're perishing. And listen, God doesn't want you to spend eternity away from him. God doesn't want you to perish. That's why he died for you. That's why he rose from the dead to show you that he is God. And you need to place your trust in Him. So the gospel of Christ is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth. What is it to you? The second characteristic here of somebody that hears the word of God by the wayside, they don't understand it, but also look at this. He says in verse 19, Then cometh the wicked one. Hmm. Now, I said there are parallel passages to this. This parable is also given in Mark and in Luke. In uh, Mark... The wicked one is called Satan. In Luke, he's called the devil. This wicked one. Now, what do we know about Satan from the scriptures? He is a deceiver. He was a murderer from the beginning. So this liar, this deceiver, wants to come and snatch away the word that was sown in someone's heart. So when someone hears the word of God, and they don't understand it, and they're saying no to it, the scripture says this in 2 Corinthians 4, 3. But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. Satan, the scripture describes right now, is the God of this world. He's the prince of the power of the air. Satan has set up and influenced a world system that is set up to blind people to the gospel. It is set up to distract people from hearing God's word. You think about this. Um, uh, one man said it this way. Uh, this old Baptist, John Broadus, he said this. Often the whole impression made on some mind by a solemn sermon seems to be destroyed the instant the service is over by an idle jest of a trifling mind. I wonder in our day and age, how many people have been in a service like this and they've heard the gospel and they've heard that they're a sinner and they're under the conviction of the Holy Spirit of God. 
and they're thinking about their eternity and say, man, I, I, don't, I don't know. I, I know where I don't want to spend eternity, but I can't say for sure where I would spend eternity. And those thoughts are in their mind, and they walk out of a service, and they get a text message about Johnny Football playing last night. And in an instant, their minds are on something else. And we have a world system set up to distract people, to blind them to the gospel. And the Scripture says that it's like when we sow the seed, it's just falling by the wayside. I don't know of any other word than to say, man, how sad that is. It's so sad that all of the amazing eternal truth that God has given to us about, about the, His eternal plan of redemption, it's not an afterthought. He knew that we would sin. And the, the Scripture describes Jesus Christ as a, lamb, as a lamb slain from the foundation of the world. And yet we can be so, somebody could be so easily torn away from that just by a joke after a service. Maybe during an invitation. I've seen at, 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 at different points in time at youth things that I've been a, a part of in the last 20 years. I've seen a teenager talking during the invitation. Um, just, just distracted. Just distracted. Why? Because Satan wants to come and snatch away that word that was sown in someone's heart. It's amazing. And, and you've heard Pastor talk about some of these old Baptists that would hear the preaching of God's word. And the Holy Spirit was making such an impression on their heart and their mind that they were out plowing through the fields. And all they could think about was, man, if I die, I am going to split hell wide open. And they were just so burdened by their own sin and guilt. And they said, finally, they just couldn't stand anymore. And they would come to and ask Christ to save them and place their faith and trust in Him. And you think about a day in which you know, people's minds weren't so easily distracted. But today we live in a world in which people are very easily caught up in just they're, they're, they don't want to be under conviction. They don't want to think on that. They don't want to dwell on it. And uh, so the Lord describes those as being by the wayside. Uh, there's a, an example here in the Scriptures of Paul dealing with the same thing. If you look with me in Acts chapter 28, notice uh, what Paul says here to these Jews. Acts chapter 28, the very last chapter in the book of Acts. And we'll look in verse number, uh, look at verse 23, Acts 28, 23. And when they had pointed him a day, there came many to him into his lodging to whom he expounded and testified the kingdom of God, persuading them concerning Jesus, both out of the law of Moses and out of the prophets from morning till evening. And some believed the things which were spoken and some believed not. And if, if you remember, the Jews as a whole rejected their Messiah. They rejected Christ. And here there's some that believe, and, and as a whole, most of them, uh, many of them do not believe the gospel as Paul's preaching it. Verse 25, And when they agreed not among themselves, they departed after that Paul had spoken one word. Now, only a Baptist preacher will say one word and then say like six, right? So one word. Well spake the Holy Ghost by Isaiah the prophet unto our fathers, saying, Go unto this people, and say, Hearing ye shall hear and shall not understand. Seeing ye shall see and not perceive, for the heart of this people is waxed gross. Their ears are dull of hearing, and their eyes have they closed, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and should be converted, and I should heal them. Be it known therefore unto you that the salvation of God is sent unto the Gentiles, and they will hear it. Man, I, I, the last part of that puts a smile on my face. Because well, you know in here, if you're not a Jew, you're, what are you? You're a Gentile. 
and you've heard the word of God and, and you've believed it. But here Paul, Paul brings up that reference from Isaiah that we read and said, guys, I've been giving you the gospel. I've been showing you day and night from Moses and the prophets that Jesus is the Christ and yet you've rejected it. And he said, Isaiah was true. It was right. That prophecy was right. That you guys, you're not hearing it. And so here's a real life example of Paul sowing that seed and it falling by the wayside. It fell by the wayside. So what is the summary of the, of the seed that falls by the wayside? Well, it's not understood and it's taken away. Verse number four in Matthew 13 says that the fowls came and devoured it up. It's just gone. It's like, it's like the person never heard the message. Um, I, I mentioned my grandfather earlier this morning. Um, his testimony was that he was saved at a, at a funeral of a friend. And again, you think about how in our day and age where you can have a funeral where somebody is giving the gospel and, and somebody that is sitting there hearing that, they're face to face with eternity. And, and again, as they leave, you know, then they go to lunch and, and they laugh it off. I mean, from such a solemn moment. But uh, I thank the Lord that my grandfather responded to the gospel. And there are many people that responded to the gospel at, at, a, at a funeral. Why? Because all the distractions are gone and they're face to face with eternity. That we're all going to die. And, and, and do you know what's going to happen to you after that happens? So the word here that falls by the wayside is devoured. If you would look back with me at Matthew chapter 13. So the first location is the seed that fell by the wayside. The second location is the seed that fell upon stony places. The seed that fell upon stony places. If you would look at verse 20 and 21, our Lord gives the explanation of this. He says, But he that received seed into stony places, the same is he that heareth the word, and anon with joy receiveth it. All right, so here you'll give somebody the word of God. Somebody will come to a service. Somebody will come to a Wednesday night Bible study or a wana. And, and you have a parent that comes into Awana and, and they've heard about what little Johnny's been learning. And they say, oh, I'm so glad you've been teaching him the Bible. He's been saying verses at home. And we, you may have somebody come to a service that's not saved. They've never trusted Christ as their Savior. And they hear a message or uh, some of you have had the opportunity to have pastor come to your workplace or a family reunion or some event that your family did. And he gives the gospel. And, and people come up and say, wow, he's a great speaker. That was that was really cool what he showed us from the Bible. So you will have people that they, they anon, it just means quickly, they receive it with joy. Mark and Luke say they receive it with gladness. They're happy about it. Right? So when you come up to me and, you know, after this morning service, just look happy that you heard the message. There are people that, that are excited about it. But there's not a root there. And so what does the scripture say? Yet, verse 21, Yet hath he no root in himself, but dureth for a while. For when tribulation or persecution ariseth because of the word, by and by he is offended. So somebody comes to a service and they hear, uh, I've got this reference for you. Um, John fourteen six. The Lord said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Okay, uh, Acts 4.12 says, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. And so you hear a message about Jesus Christ. He's the only way of salvation. And somebody hears that with joy and they say, Wow, I've never, I've never really thought about that before. That Jesus Christ, He is the only way of salvation. Now, they haven't yet believed on Christ. They haven't trusted in themselves, but they're hearing the word. They're hearing the message. And they go to work. 
And somebody at work says, well, I just think, you know, like uh, Muslims or, or uh, uh, Buddhists or Christians or whatever, however you come to God, that, I mean, it doesn't matter just as long as it's God. And the person that heard this message says, well, the Bible, I heard, the, and son, I had heard in church on Sunday, the preacher was preaching, and uh, he said that uh, the Bible says and showed us from that how neither is there salvation in any other. It's only in Jesus Christ. And the person at work looks at that person and says, well, what kind of hate monger are you? Why are you such a hater? Who are you the one to say that only Jesus Christ is the way? And that person, all they did was share the word that they heard. Not necessarily yet the word that they believed, but they shared the word that they heard. And because of the word, the tribulation comes. Because of the word, the persecution comes. You see, it's because of the word, not of anything else. And so this person that's, that's receiving seed in the stony places, they, they hear with joy, but then when they tell somebody else about it, they get persecuted for it. And the scripture says they're offended. And what is it? They've never trusted Christ, and they begin to feel bad. And they begin to say, well, yeah, I don't, I don't want to be a hater. Because like in this day and age, the, the, the worst thing you can be is a bigot, right? I mean, it's like you know, a political swear word. Bigot. <laughs> no, I don't want to be that. Good night. You know, there's some things you ought to hate. Like those little gummy worms in the package, man. Those things are nasty. You know, I'm a hater. Stop the hate. <laughs> um, so you see, Jesus said there are those that receive uh, seed in the stony places. So the summary here is that if you look at verse 21, Yet hath he no root in himself, but dureth for a while, for when tribulation or persecution ariseth because of the word, by and by he is offended. And so what happens is, uh, the, the scripture describes here, there's no root. The sun comes up, Jesus said originally, and it's scorched and withers away. There's no fruit. And so that person that was coming for three weeks or six months or a year, or however long they were coming, all of a sudden they're offended by the word and they don't want to hear the message anymore. I'm not going to, do not raise your hand to this, but many of you have been in this church long enough to have seen that happen. You can think of a person that, that came and, and it was almost like they were really getting it and then they were offended and, you know, uh, they were scourged. So the first location is that that fell by the wayside. The second is that that fell in stony places. The third location, the other way in which someone can receive the word of God is among thorns. If you would look at verse 22. He also that received seed among the thorns is he that heareth the word. You see, all of these people have something in common. They're all hearing the word. It's the responses that are different. How they're hearing it, how they're receiving it. So what is this? It's among thorns is he that heareth the word and the care of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and he becometh unfruitful. The cares of this world, there are people that hear the gospel, but instead of them thinking on that and responding to it, they're so choked with with. The cares of this world. You say, what are some of the cares of this world? I was really looking forward to getting to this because there's another passage, a different parable, in which the Lord, I, I, we're simply going to look at it because He gives you some of the cares of this world that people, uh, maybe excuses that people use to not respond to the gospel. Look uh, at um, 
Luke chapter 14. Hold your place in Matthew. We'll be right back there. But look over at Luke chapter 14. Now, again, this is a completely different parable. The Lord is talking here about a great supper. They were going to have a big supper, and a lot of people were invited to the supper. And the people that were given invitations to the supper came up with excuses for not why they couldn't go to the supper. All right? And so, again, this is a different parable, but I just want you to see what are some of the cares of this life that people have. So Luke chapter 14 and verse number 16, the scripture here says, uh, this is the Lord speaking. Then said he unto him, a certain man bade a great, made a great supper and bade many and sent his servant at supper time to say to them that were bidden, come for all things are now ready. And they, I was watching a uh, home remodel show and these people, they, they end up buying like a 30 acre farm with a two acre lake on it. It's beautiful, but they had the big old school dinner bell. And so the host of the show kept ringing. I'm like, I would ring that every day for everything, you know. Be like, come get, get you know, breakfast. Ding, ding, ding. I, I felt like, hey, I'll just put one out inside my house now. I don't have to have a farm, right? So the neighbors, Woo! everybody wake up. Okay, uh, anyway, verse 18. And they with all, and they with all, uh, and they all with one consent began to make excuse. The first said unto him, I have bought a piece of ground, and I must needs go and see it. I pray thee, have me excused. Okay, let me ask you. Now, now I know, okay, smart Alex, don't raise your hand here. But how many of you would ever go, now, and some of you would do this, but how many of you would ever go buy a house, I mean, total new property, spend $200,000, whatever, spend money on a house, and not first go look at it? Now, let me ask you, all right, I told you, smart Alec, you're not a smart Alec, but how many of you, anybody ever done that before? You have bought a piece of property or house, and you didn't go look at it before you bought it? Nathan, Nathaniel? Okay, no, he's just scratching his nose. All right. <laughs> what, what person goes and buys property, and this is, well, I bought this property, and uh, I got to go look at it. Okay, okay, how many of you realize that is not a legitimate excuse, and that's the Lord's point? Second guy. Um, and another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen and I go to prove them. I pray thee have me excused. Um, I bought some oxen. I got to go make sure they work. <laughs> right? You know, um, this week there was a brand new Corvette right in front of us on the interstate. And uh, I handed the phone to Sean, I let her take the picture. And then I tested, texted it to Eric Edwards. And I said, thinking of you, man, this new, vet. that was the brand new one, right? Was that a 2015? Yeah. It's, this thing was awesome. This new vet. Anybody going to go buy a, a vet and then get it and then say, well, I got to make sure it works. Now, how many of you have ever purchased something before you knew it worked and you had to go make sure it worked? Anybody do that? Really? Nobody? Man, we got, I know we have more risk takers than that in this room. So somebody just doesn't want to raise their hand. All right. So this guy, he's got oxen. He's never proved them and he's got to go prove them. And so he can't come to the supper. Right? So again, the Lord's point is this is not a legitimate excuse. But do you see how these are the things that people get caught up with in life? You know, they hear the gospel, but uh, they're thinking about, oh, I got to work on my car when I get home. They hear the gospel, but then uh, I got to, man, we got all this to do on the house. And it, it, it chokes the word from influencing their life. You see that? Now, the, the best one is for last. God saves the best for last. A couple of you, I'm seeing you laugh, and you already read ahead. Verse 20, 
Just read that to yourself. And another said, I have married a wife, and therefore I cannot come. I'm telling you, God has a sense of humor. All right? The third guy, you know, he's like, what's your excuse? Oh, house, what's your excuse? Oxen, what's your excuse? Oh, oh okay, gotcha. <laughs> what? <laughs> he's going, I got married. <laughs> I committed marriage. <laughs> Seriously. I'm telling you, God has a sense of humor. Does he explain beyond that? You know, I, I bought an ox. I must prove them. I've got a house. I got to see it. I got married. <laughs> Need I say more? <laughs> and you know what's interesting, though. You know what's so interesting. Uh, on a completely different, in a completely different context, Paul in Second Corinthians talks about how a man that's married cares for the things of this world, how he may please his wife. He's talking about an unmarried person and, and how they can be, uh, you know, their dedication to the Lord at that period of time in their life. They can be solely on the Lord. But somebody that's married, you know, we can serve the Lord, but there will be other cares of this life just that are natural to that relationship, right? So those that receive seed among the thorns are people that they hear the word of God, but it's all the stuff of life. It's cars, it's houses, it's relationships, it's family, it's school, it's the list goes on and on. They're, they're all the cares of this life. And that becomes a choke to the Word of God having effect in their hearts. Look back with me, if you would, at Matthew chapter 13 to, uh, to continue that point. Uh, other things that choke the word here in Matthew 13. He says, the deceitfulness of riches. The deceitfulness of riches. You know, the scripture says in 1 Timothy six seventeen, Charge them that are rich in this world, that they be not high-minded, nor trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God, who giveth us richly all things to enjoy. Proverbs 23, 5 says this, Wilt thou set thine eyes upon that which is not? For riches certainly make themselves wings. They fly away as an eagle toward heaven. You know, I've heard this phrase, most people often have too much month left at the end of their money. You ever found yourself there? Uh, how long till we get paid? Another week? Oh, man. <laughs> you know how the Bible describes riches? If you got them in, use it for the Lord. If you don't got it, you know, use what you got for the Lord. But remember, they're uncertain. And we all know, you guys have been, if you've been coming to this church for any length of time, you understand what's going on with the economic system, and you understand how fragile that whole system is when you're using a fiat currency that's backed by nothing and it's all computer digits in a computer god says it can make itself wings and fly away as an eagle toward heaven there it goes and some of us we experience that even in our own lives where you just where did the money go you know well there are people that because of that riches that's that's what they're trusting in that's what they're going for and it chokes out the word. Uh, Mark, he, he says this, again, these parallel passages. Mark throws in the lusts of other things. Just lust. Uh, and then Luke has the pleasures of this life. And we looked at that from Luke 14. These lovers of pleasures, 2 Timothy 3, 4 says that men in these last days, they'll be traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God. There will be people that do not receive the gospel because they're in love with some sin in their life. And they just know, if I, if I come to Christ, I know that God's not going to want me to do that, but man, I really like this over here. 
And the Bible describes them as loving pleasures more than being a lover of God. The result of all that, it chokes the Word of God, and they are unfruitful. Now, let me ask you, um, all three of these people, they have received the Word. All three of these people, the end result, no matter whether it's getting choked, no matter whether it's being offended and scorched, or whether it is just they don't understand it because they've said no to it already, the end result is all the same. They are unfruitful. They do not get saved. They do not trust Christ. Uh, he says, is it in this one or in Luke? He says, uh, I think it's in Luke. He s- says, I want you to see it. Go ahead and look at Luke chapter... Did I say that was chapter 8? Yes, Luke chapter 8. Um, look at, yeah, it's Luke chapter 8 and look at verse 12. He says, Those by the wayside are they that hear, then cometh the devil, taketh away the word out of their hearts, lest they should believe and be saved. You see, that's the result that the Word of God should have. And so in each of these three scenarios, the end result is the same. This person does not believe the Word of God, and they're not saved. They do not come to a place where they they, um, receive what God has said. So I wrote this down. Satan doesn't care how people reject the Word of God as long as they reject it. You see, he doesn't care. The result of these three is the same. They do not believe, so they are not saved. There's no fruit. Hebrews 6, 8 says this, But that which beareth thorns and briars is rejected and is nigh unto cursing, whose end is to be burned. That's the end of that. And he's talking specifically there to those Hebrews about how he knows that they're saved and there are things in their lives that accompany salvation. And he's saying that which, isn't, that, that which bears no fruit is rejected. And so now let's move on and look at the fourth location, the good ground. In verse, uh, Matthew chapter 13, and if you see in verse number 23, the scripture here says, But he that received seed into the good ground is he that heareth the word and understandeth it, which also beareth fruit and bringeth forth some an hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. So what is the characteristic here? They hear the word. They hear the word. Not only that, but they receive it and they understand it. Why? Because they're willing to listen to it. They're willing to to search it out. Uh, We're going to look in the same way that Paul gave people the gospel there at the end of Acts, and we saw how they rejected it. Let's look now at some people that Paul had given the word. He had sown the word, and look at the good ground that it fell on. Look with me, if you would, at 1 Thessalonians 2.13. And if you are saved in here this morning... When you heard the gospel, you were that good ground. You heard it, you received it, you placed your faith and trust in Christ. Now I want to encourage you and challenge you to continue to receive the word of God in that way. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, in verse 13. The scripture here says, For this cause also thank we God without ceasing, because when you received the word of God which you heard of us, you received it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God, which effectually worketh also in you that believe. So this person that heard it, and, and God compares their heart to good ground, how is it that they received it? Well, they didn't receive these words as the words of men. They received these words as the words of God, and they believed it. And the Bible says it effectually worked in them that believe. So here's, you say, how can I be good ground? 
trust this book as the words of God because it is. The Bible says all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. That In 1 Peter it says that holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. And these things, these are the words of the Lord. So receive them as God's word. You say, well, does that mean everything the preacher says? No, I didn't say everything the preacher says. Everything this book says is the word of God. So you receive it as such and believe it, and it effectually worketh also in you. And that's what happened with the Thessalonians. Now, what's cool is you have the Thessalonians. The a little VeggieTale reference there for you. You also have the Bereans. Look at Acts chapter 17. So Paul sowed the word there with the Thessalonians, and they received it, not as the word of men, but as the word of God. But also look at Acts. He went and sowed in Berea and sowed the word there. Acts chapter 17. And look at verse 11. Acts 17, verse 11. The scripture here says, These were more noble than those in Thessalonica, in that they received the word with all readiness of mind. And search the scriptures daily whether those things were so. Therefore, many of them believed, also of honorable women, which were Greeks, and of men, not a few. You see how you had unbelievers hearing the gospel. Now, a lot of times we use this to show that believers ought to search out the scriptures. Do you see that these were people that weren't saved yet, but they heard the word, said, I got to check that out for myself. And they go through searching the scriptures. And because they search the scriptures and find out that these things are so, many of them believed. And so, you know how you have to have, if you want to be that good ground, if you want to be the person that hears God's word, you've got to believe it as God's word. Search it out for yourself. See if these things are so and place your trust in Christ. Believe in God. And then what about us? You know, look at 1 John chapter 2. We saw there that, um, we saw in Matthew, look at 1 John chapter 2, if you would. We saw in Matthew that Satan came and tried to snatch away the word. Any chance he gets, he wants people to be distracted. He wants their ears to be shut to it, their eyes to be blinded to it. Um, you know, he, he has set up a world system. I got to tell you, I saw a commercial yesterday that you're, you're like, what is this a commercial for? Is this a commercial for that or that? It's just wicked stuff. And yet Satan has a world system set up to catch people's attention, get them away from the gospel. Well, look at this. If you're saved in here this morning, you've been that good ground. Look at how God describes you. 1 John chapter 2, and look at verse number 13. Or look at verse 12. I run into you, little children, because your sins are forgiven you for his name's sake. I run into you, fathers, because you have known him that is from the, the beginning. I run into you, young men, because you have overcome the wicked one. Remember what was Satan called in our parable there in Matthew? The wicked one, right? These people have overcome him. I write unto you, little children, because you have known the Father. I have written unto you, fathers, because you have known him that is from the beginning. I have written unto you, young men, because ye are strong, and the word of God abideth in you, and ye have overcome the wicked one. So this fathers, little children, young men, we know as you study that passage, these are different steps in, grow, in, in our spiritual growth, in our spiritual walk. And he says, some of you are young men, and Satan has come... And tried to snatch the word when you weren't looking. And he's trying to take it away from you. But some of you young men, you're not going to let Satan snatch it away from you. you. You've read it. You've studied it. And beyond reading and studying, you've believed it. You've received it. And you've said, uh-uh, mine. 
mine, 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 mine. And you have overcome the wicked one because the Word of God, it abides in you. You see the complete difference? That As Christ is sowing the seed on, on, on the, by the wayside, Satan's just coming by handfuls and just snatching it up. But the person that is that young man that's overcome the wicked one is holding fast to God's Word. And I love it, man. I love being around you guys. People that are so fun to fellowship with because the Word of God abides in you. You've overcome the wicked one. So let me ask you, in your life, as you look at the way you receive the Word of God, are you overcoming the wicked one? Or is he continually snatching the Word of God, message after message, Bible study after Bible study, maybe your own personal devotion? And I know you guys, have, if you've been saved any length of time, there's been that time when you read your Bible in the morning, you thought, man, this is that's awesome, this is great. And then life happened during the day. And then you're getting ready to go to bed at night and something reminds you of that verse that you read. And you go, man, I didn't think about that all day. And that would have been such an encouragement. As a believer, we need to be careful to continue to allow the Word of God to influence us and abide in our hearts. So, back to the parable. Some bring forth fruit. Some 30, some 60, some 100-fold. How much fruit is the word bearing in our life? I love this. Proverbs 11.30 says, The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, and he that wineth souls is wise. And you know, as you and I go out and sow the word, we can expect these responses. There are people that you will give the gospel to, and they just don't get it. And it's not because you're miscommunicating it. It's not because there's something wrong with the seed. There's something wrong with their heart, where they're just saying no before you ever tell them. There are other people, you go out and sow the seed, and it might look like, hey, they want to know more about this, but by and by they tell their family, hey, somebody came by, or hey, so-and-so has been talking to me about the Bible. They've been talking about the Bible, and it's scorched by the persecution that comes from the Word. There might be somebody that you're sowing the seed, and you're just like, I can't get this guy to come to church to save my life to hear the gospel, you know? Because why? They got uh, this or that or this or that. Every weekend, they're choked with the cares of this life. Than other people, you sow that seed, and they believe the words of God. They receive the gospel. And some bring forth 30, some 60, some 100-fold. And all of those results, we just need to leave in the Lord's hands. Um, I remember hearing messages. Uh, our, uh, my pastor that was pastor of our Bible college and, and church there at Temple Baptist in, in uh, Tennessee, he said this, Don't sample the soil, just sow the seed. You say, well, I've got to figure out what, what kind of, where am I throwing the seed? No, don't try and figure out what, how the person's going to respond. Just throw the seed and uh, let the Lord take care of the results. Um, Psalm 126.6 says this, He that goeth forth and weepeth, bearing precious seed, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. John Gill said this about that 30, 60, and some 100-fold. And, and, and honestly, you hear that 30, 60, and 100? I'm thinking... How come the 30 didn't bring forth 100? Can everybody bring forth 100? John Gill said this, That which yields a less abundant harvest is still called good ground, seeing that it does produce a real crop. So the servant who made a good use of but two talents was a good and faithful servant. Remember that? Different parable. Yet we should all desire and strive to be not merely of those who bring forth, but of those who bring forth an hundredfold. Ambition is a worthy and noble thing when it aims at eminent usefulness, rises above envy, envy, and jealousy and subordinates everything to the glory of God. 
So you just say, God, I don't know if you want to use me as a 30-fold Christian, a 60-fold or a 100-fold, but let's go get them. Let's, tell, let's, let's give them the gospel. And let me challenge you this morning. If you find yourself hearing the Word of God and receiving it in any other location than being that good ground, that is a very dangerous place to be. You see, it's, Satan doesn't care how you reject the Word of God as long as you reject it. I hope you'll say yes to the Lord this morning. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for your grace and thank you for...